Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. It is so great to be here today. It is, it is so great to uh, have an opportunity to share with you. Um, if you remember, uh, last week um, we were, uh, we've been in a series called uh, Uncommon Sense, Simplified Living in a Complex World. And, and last week we talked about what, what real men look like what a real godly man looks like. And we, we discovered that a real godly man is, is someone who builds a life of integrity. They pursue a path of selflessness and they leave a legacy of love. So this week we're actually going to switch gears now and I'm going to talk about what real women look like specifically what real godly women look like. So open up your Bibles and your Bible apps. And if you've got your notes out, get ready because things are about to get real. Um, I'm talking about uh, godly women, so pray for me, please. Pray for me, please. And if you have any, any questions or, or thoughts about this message that you know, might raise some issues, um, my name is Rick Carroll, and I'd love to hear from you. All right? Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31. While you're, while you're looking up this scripture... Let me tell you, there's a, there was a story about a man who was on the beach praying, and he was praying really hard, and he said, God, I've served you faithfully, so I pray that you would answer me one prayer. And, uh, and suddenly God appears, and he says, okay, I will, I will answer one of your prayers. You've been, you've been faithful, you've been righteous, you've been a good man. And, and I'm willing to hear your prayer. And so anyways, this man goes, I, I, would, I love the beaches, and I'd love a bridge that goes to Hawaii. And, and from, from here to Hawaii, so that I can, I can go whenever I want, and I can enjoy the beach. Well, anyways, God looks at him, and he says, well... You know, that's kind of somewhat of a, a self-centered prayer, right? It's, it's all about you. It's, it's, it's not really, you know, considering others. Why don't you think of something that's a little less selfish? Uh, not that it's impossible, but think of all the, the steel work and, and how deep I'd have to go into the Pacific. Think about, you know, just, just all the, the time that it'll take um, for driving and just, just the, you know, all the problems that could arise of it. Not that it's impossible for me, but I'd, I'd, I really want to, uh, I want something that you would want to, to honor me and, and to bless my kingdom. And so the man thinks about it for a second. And, it, it, you know, he, he's like, okay, what do I want that would glorify God? I got it, he says. I know exactly what I'm going to pray for. He says, God, this is what I wish. I wish that I would understand women. I wish I would understand my wife. I wish I would understand why she cries. I I wish that I would understand when she says nothing, that it means something. I wish that I would understand just everything about her and about women. And God looks at him and says, 
hmm, do you want two lanes or four lanes, right? There are things, there are things in this world that take a lifetime to learn, right? There are also things in this world that, that we will never fully understand. And although scripture does give us a lot of revelation and, and detail into, into women, right? And, and a lot of things are left out in scripture when it comes to women and, and we as men need to figure this out, right? And, and journey with and what an adventure it is. But with all of these things, one thing that the Bible is crystal clear about is what a godly woman looks like. That's what the Bible does share. And so we're going to be looking into that. So if you have your Bibles, I've misplaced my Bible, the smaller one, thank you very much. Oh, going to get me the phone. I appreciate that. Proverbs 31, and we're going from verse 10 to 31. This is what a godly woman looks like. And I just want to say before I even start um, also that uh, every point that I address, everything that I say for the most part is straight from Scripture, okay? And uh, just as important and equally as good as that is uh, everything has been approved by my wife. So um, happy wife, happy life, right? It's true. So uh, she's approved of this message, okay? Here's what the Bible says. In verse 10, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and busies it with her... uh, with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong and hardworking. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own uh, bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. This this justifies shopping right there. Her husband is well known in the city gates when he sits with other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully uh, watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtues, uh, virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. But you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. The first thing that you'll notice about this woman that we read is apparently she's superwoman. <laughs> apparently she's superwoman. She has the extraordinary abilities and really knows how to manage her time. 
And in today's pace of life, we actually wonder, is this even possible anymore, right? Or, or some of you might hear this and you might think, yep, that sounds about right. I'm that good. I do all of that, right? Uh, and so what I want to do is uh, I, I, I don't want us to, to look at this and, and make this an exhaustive list of, you know, over the next 24 hours, what do I need to accomplish? Uh, rather, this is an inspiration for, for you to be all that you can be all that God has created you to be. You know, we might not be able to be like her in, in its fullest sense, but we can learn from her. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to learn from how she lives. So let's simplify this. And when we simplify this, one thing that we realize is what a real uh, a godly woman looks like is, is someone who reveals their strength. They reveal their strength through godly character. Real women reveal their strength through godly character. It doesn't matter where you go in the world at all. Every culture has its beliefs and uh, has their beliefs of what a real woman looks like. But here's the great thing about scripture is that the Bible lays out a foundation that actually transcends culture. It goes bigger than what culture says about women. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Many women do incredible things, but you, godly woman, woman of character, surpasses them all. In other words, what you do, the incredible things you do, even though there's people and and women who do incredible things, You, who's acting out of godly character, surpass every single one of them. If you actually look at this verse closely, one thing you'll realize is is that nobility elevates a person, but godly character actually distinguishes them. Nobility will elevate a woman, but godly character actually distinguishes a woman. It sets her apart. It shows her that there's something different about her. Proverbs 31, women do good things, but you surpass them all. People see a difference in you, not because of your status, but because of your character. And we live in a society today that's obsessed with status. But you need to know today that it's not about status. The number one thing that's most important that we need to live out is character over status. Status comes and goes, but character defines the next generation. It will define your family when you live a life of godly character. And so we need to to remember that. The godly character will set you apart. When a woman lives a life of godly character, those who are in her sphere of influence testify to it. I think of someone in the room like a, a, a Jerry who faithfully comes and serves in, in our food for life with our seniors. I think how she, she commits to, to the family and then she commits to the bigger family helping out the community. I think of my mother-in-law who's in the back of the room who's raised three incredibly godly women. And it was as a result of godly character. I think of Elisa right now, who's gotten her family to not just uh, be a part of the church, but serve wholeheartedly in it. And they're just rocking the kids' men. I think of people like that, 
right? That are, that are solely defining and shaping culture from their commitment and their serving. I think of my wife. Beside every good man is a great woman. And as we're pastoring here and as we're leading here, I'll tell you what, there are hard days, but it's a lot easier with her beside me. That's what godly character does to you. It impacts you like that. I think of a, a Lisa over here who, who probably isn't happy that I'm calling her out right now. I think of Elisa who works at Portico. She, she does stuff at, at home. And then also on top of that, she helps our seniors. She has a passion for seniors. And so we did a seniors dinner. And just recently, we had a, a senior come to Christ, right? A lady in her 80s coming to Christ. Why? Because Lisa had a heart for those people, heart for the lost, and that the meals that she's put in, the opportunities that we've had, we see people finding their way back to God, and it's incredible. And then I look at like a Heather, who's faithfully serving us, leading us in worship. You know how hard that is? right? Leading people in a song is one thing. Leading people into the presence of God, that's a whole other heart, right? That takes a lot of soul work, inner work, right? A lot of prayer and time. And yet she, she does an incredible job. Godly character is so evident And me as a witness, I testify to what I see them doing. Many of you here in the room, you would testify to those women, those women of strength in in the room that you would say, absolutely, yes, they're doing something incredible. And I see it on a daily basis. I see it on a weekly basis. John 3.13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. I love reading scripture when you find out there were these incredible women in the Bible that showed this kind of wisdom and this kind of understanding. You had Deborah, who was a judge of Israel, tasked with leadership and decision making. You had Esther, was queen and displayed courage and wisdom. Mary was righteous, obedient, and faithful. Priscilla was industrious, and she was an entrepreneur. These women were not just matriarchs, but influencers. They were influencers, and they shaped society through godly character and influenced the culture around them. And I'll tell you what, they're no different than any of you. The one thing that sets them apart from others is that they were willing. God called them and they said, I'm in. That's the thing that sets them apart. The Bible also mentions women who worked in commercial trade and agriculture as millers, as shepherds, as artisans, as textile perfumers and cooks, as midwives, as nurses, as, as domestic servants, and as professional mourners. That's a really weird one, but okay. <clears throat> Paid to cry. I can do that if you pay, right? All right, I'll figure it out. I'll find a way to cry. Women could be patrons and leaders in society. Uh, woman, one woman even in the Bible built homes, all right? She built towns. She built, built cities. And many women and men worked from home, yet the Bible nowhere criticizes women who worked outside of the home. Yeah. Nowhere in Scripture. In fact, it praises it. 
that they do both. Why? Because God desires a willing and obedient servant. And it doesn't matter who you are. All that matters is you're willing to go all out, no matter the cost. That you'd be willing to say yes to to God in your calling in life, whatever that may look like. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. All that matters is that you're saying, yes, God, use me. Use me. So let me say this today. Never think less of yourself. Never think less of yourself. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. Often when the world sees you, there's nothing but pessimism. But when God sees you, there's nothing but optimism. You see, God sees your potential. God sees your potential and he wants you to reach it. But in order to do that, you have to understand where your strength and where your dignity lies. Yeah. It doesn't lie in your achievements. It, it, it relies, it's, it, it's rather, it's in your reverence to God. That's where your strength and your dignity comes from. It's in your godly character. Secondly, real women also influence others through godly wisdom. Real women influence others through godly wisdom. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Real women are intentional about building up rather than tearing down. Real godly women speak love rather than blurt hate. That's, what, that's, that's what's different about a godly woman. So let me ask you this question. When you speak, what comes out? When you speak, what comes out? Do your words edify or do they tear down? Uh, my family and I went um, this past uh, Saturday to the X. And uh, while we were there, one thing that both Rachel and I like to do is uh, we, we just like sitting and enjoying uh, people watching, just watching people. And, and I just want to say there's a fine line between, between people watching and stalking, okay? <laughs> there's a big line. We're not following. Hey, let's follow that person, right? Let, let's see what they do. We're not doing that, but we enjoy people watching. And uh, I tell you what, um, without even filling in the blanks, there's a lot you can learn about people just by watching them, their mannerisms, by watching, you know, how they conduct themselves in, in a big crowd, in a big lineup, right, with, a, you know, screaming toddlers ripping at their eyeballs and, you know, or, or, you know, like you see in the midst of like where it's almost like, you know, you're walking down one of those lanes and you're like a herd of cattle just trying to figure which way to go, left or right, right? Like that's, that's kind of what it's like. But you see who people are in the midst of those situations. And so we were, we were just sitting enjoying uh, our, our little picnic that, uh, that we had prepared. And as I'm watching, I'm just tuning into these little segments of conversations. And, and you know what? As I'm listening to them, it's, it's very interesting. Some I understand, some I don't understand, you know. Um, but the ones that I could, I could hear clearly and I could get a little segment about, I tell you, 
it's, it's really disheartening when you listen and you hear nothing but just like hate going past you. Oh, this and that. Oh, well, I think that, you know, they're this and this. And you just hear this hate that's going across you. And so one thing I'd encourage our church here in in Milton, the thing that's going to define us, the thing that's going to set us apart is our words, is our actions, is speaking love. There's a lot of people in society that speak hate, right? They think they're speaking uh, a language that is of mutual respect, but actually in a lot of ways, it's disheartening, it's tearing down, it's trying to elevate themselves above others. And so we at, at Portico Milton, we need to be intentional with our words, that even if someone gets a taste like what, what Rachel and I do, where they hear just literally 10 seconds of a conversation. Is it edifying? Is it building up? Is it showing love? Is it so attractive that they actually do want to stalk you and figure out what you're talking about, right? What are you saying when you speak? There's enough haters in the world. What we need is people who are going to express love even when they think no one's watching and no one's listening. Your words have power, so use them wisely. Your words have power. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Did you check that out? Encouraging words are essential are essential in the walk of a Christian. Encouraging words are essential part of how we live, how we operate. If we come to this building and we don't encourage one person, we've actually missed the point of what church is. We've missed it. We've missed the mark. And so what we need to do as a church is always be full of encouragement. Every time you get here, even if you're more introverted, Right? Like, you, you'd probably be shocked, but I'm more introverted. But if we haven't encouraged someone, we've missed the mark. Even if it's someone you know well, encourage them. Say hi to them. Because you never know what's been going on in their life before that. That one encouragement, the, uh, encouragement might actually get them through the week. Because you took the time to compliment them. You took the time to invest into their life and set them on a trajectory of faith, of belief that they can actually make a difference and do something spectacular this week. We need to fill our mouths with everything that we say with good and helpful and encouraging words. It's time to reshape culture. It takes time. But that's what we're here to do in Milton. We meet here to reshape the culture. I want my neighbors to thrive. And it's going to take remarkable people doing that. It's going to take godly women full of character. Showing love, speaking love at all times. This, uh, this last point, I'm actually, uh, I'm not going to preach it. Um, I've asked Rachel to preach this last one because um, I think it's a really important message. And, and uh, 
Um, actually, when Rachel and I first got married, um, we lived in this really small apartment. Um, it was so small, in fact, that, um, that uh, if you stood at the front entrance, you can literally see completely into all the other rooms. And one of, the, one of the smallest rooms was the bathroom. And it was so small, in fact, that, um, um, that uh, she would, yeah, it was so small that she would, uh, we would just literally ask each other to grab stuff for us so that we wouldn't have to reach over each other. We wouldn't have to move around. And so um, uh, she, she used to ask me for like makeup and, and beauty supplies when I was in there. And I'm, I'm a house full of boys, right? So we, we, that wasn't around, or at least I didn't see it, right, in, in my house. And so um, I remember in our first year of marriage, there would be these moments where she would, she would look at me and she'd say, hey, pass the mascara. And I'm literally looking for a mask of any sort. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't see a mask. And she's like, what are you talking about? Mascara. I'm like, I see no mask, right? There'd be other times where she'd be like, hey, pass the eyeshadow, and I'd be looking for shades, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, right? Like, I just, I had no clue. And don't you dare judge me, right? <laughs> don't you dare judge me, because I bet if I asked some of you in the room about, hey, can you find me a Phillips head screwdriver, you'd be like, okay, I'm looking for a person named Philip, right? <laughs> looking for something, okay, I can't find anything. So don't you dare judge me for this. Uh, but in my four years, I've gotten a lot better. I, I know my stuff. I'm a pro now. I can even tell you, like, the colors and everything. I'm like, oh, do you want the, this kind or this, right? So anyways, but uh, I actually, I'm saying all this, this long, uh, yeah, long story, just to say that I want Rachel to give this next point um, to share with you and, and to share with all the, the ladies. So Awesome. Uh, when Daniel first told me about the topic that we'll be talking about this week, I was so excited. I, I think it's amazing that we're talking about this in the church. It's so important that the church talks about women of influence, right? We see them every day. We see and we honor them. But just looking at scripture and seeing the, exactly what Daniel said, women of character, wi- women of influence. And I was excited to get up here and encourage you today. And then Daniel told me that he wanted me to speak specifically on the topic of beauty, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I was still very excited, but man, that can be challenging. Talking about beauty can be a challenging topic. If you are a man in the room today, and you've ever been asked the question, maybe by a significant other or any women, um, how do I look in this outfit? Uh, then you would understand and you would know that talking about beauty can be difficult. It can be hard to be sensitive and to understand that as well. If you are a woman, oh, by the way, the answer is always, you look beautiful, honey. It's okay? So when you get home, you're welcome. That's a free, uh, a free bit of advice. Uh, but, but, but for the women in the room, no matter how old you are, you know that struggling and wrestling with the idea of beauty can be difficult. It's hard when we're always trying to figure out how we, we measure up with that, society, that, that view of what beauty is that society sets for us. Right? The issue that we see is repeating itself from generation to generation. It's not a new issue. It's not just our youth that are dealing with this idea of, of beauty and living up to that standard that society sets, but it's actually in every single generation. It repeats itself. Society says, look this way, wear this, act this way, do this. This is the standard of beauty, and everything else falls short of that. 
everything else. There are so many voices that we are hearing, the media, in movies, in music videos, and often, to be very honest with you, that standard that is set seems so unachievable. Women, I don't think I have to ask if there's a show of hands in the room to see if you've been there, but that, that standard that is set often puts us into this trap of comparison, looking at other women and comparing ourselves to them or to what we see in the media or negative self-worth. So this, this week as I was preparing for just speaking to you briefly about this, I was just praying and I said, God, why, why is the standard of beauty so high? Why is the standard of beauty so high? Why is it set at a place where we can't live up to that? Why can't we just be happy with the way that we were created? And I was praying and waiting for an answer, and I felt so strongly that God said, Rachel, I don't want you to lower the standard of beauty. I actually want you to raise it. And I stopped and I said, God, I don't think you heard me. I'm saying it's too high. It's too high. We can't reach it. We're comparing ourselves. We're getting caught in negative self-image. Why is it so high? And he said, Rachel, do not lower the standard of beauty. I want you to raise it. See, the thing is God actually has a completely different set of criteria of what beauty is. And that can be a little bit scary, but it's actually so freeing because the fact is that women, real women, convey true beauty through godly faith. So I went to the Bible just to see what I could encourage you with um, this week about the idea of true beauty. And I was looking in the Old Testament, actually, at the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, coming. He has these prophecies that all do end up coming true and being fulfilled through the life of Jesus. And Isaiah talks about Jesus coming. And he actually says about Jesus, about the Messiah, your eyes will see the king in his beauty and view a land that stretches afar. So we read this and we think, okay, Jesus, the coming Messiah is going to be beautiful. He's going to be a good looking person. There's going to be something that, about him that is, is desirable, that looks good. However, Isaiah, the same prophet, just a few chapters later, he says this. He says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So let me get this straight. Okay, so Isaiah is saying that he was a man that would be beautiful. He's going to be a king that is beautiful. But yet, just a few chapters later, he says there is nothing desirable about his appearance. Clearly, we can see that according to Isaiah, beauty had way less to do with the outward appearance of Jesus and so much more to do with the inward, the way he was living, the way that he was pointing other people towards God's glory. Because that's the thing about Jesus' life, right? We read about Jesus, and yes, he was, he was followed. He had a following. He was a popular man sometimes had um, unpopular uh, beliefs, but people would flock to him, but it wasn't because, about, because of him. It wasn't because he was a big king that was attractive and had nobility. No, it was because he was pointing people towards God's glory, and that was what was so attractive about him. It wasn't about him. It was all about God. He was pointing people towards God's glory. Actually, Paul in the New Testament confirms this. And he says in Romans 10, 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And I read this and I'm th- thinking he's definitely not talking about worldly beauty when he's talking about feet because... I don't know. I don't think feet could be quite beautiful, but like Jesus, those feet that he's talking about, bringing the good news uh, to those around them, those feet were fulfilling their purpose. They were considered beautiful, not because they're beautiful feet, but because they are bringing God's word to other people. They are fulfilling that purpose of helping people find their way back to God, like what we believe here at Portico. 
And as women, we too have that purpose. Our purpose is so far beyond our paychecks or so far beyond if we spend our days in the office or, or with our kids or the way that we look when we look in the mirror. But our purpose and our beauty is found in when we point other people towards the beauty of God towards his beauty and his glory. I was thinking this week, we really do need to retrain our brains in the way that we see beauty, right? We need to retrain our brains. It's not about looking in the mirror and seeing beauty as what is looking back at us. It's not what we see when we look in the mirror, but true godly beauty is what other people see when they look at us, is who other people see when they look at us. True beauty is who other people see. Do they see Jesus when they're looking at you? Do they just see your external beauty or do they see Jesus? Do they want to know more about Jesus and his life when they interact with you? Are you living in a way that points people to God's glory? Proverbs 31 says, sorry, 3130 said, Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. But the woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. You see, the worldly standard of beauty is so temporary. It's in our face, but it's insignificant. And God's standard of beauty has eternal significance. It's not here one day and gone, gone the next, but it's actually eternal. It continues on. If we're pointing people to Jesus and that's what's attractive about our lives, then we're having eternal significance. So in closing, I just wanted to look back at that standard of beauty we were looking at earlier. And women and men in the room, let's take on the challenge of replacing the world's standard of beauty with God's standard of beauty. I wrote this down looking back at Proverbs 31 that Daniel wrote, I'm sorry, read at the beginning. Beauty is found in blessing others and building other people up. Beauty is found in working hard in all you do as though you are working for God. Beauty is being financially wise so you can provide for your family, so that you can be generous in helping those who are in need. Beauty is found in seeking wisdom and truth to those that are in your sphere of influence. And beauty is humility because you are clearly showing that it's not about all about you, that it's all about God. And to be honest, when we take that new standard of beauty, there is so much freedom in that. There is so much freedom from comparison to negative self-worth because it's not about us. It's about people knowing who our creator is, and that's where our beauty is found. So I just want to leave you with this question. When it comes to your legacy, what would be said about you? Whether you are in the room and you're one of our youth or you are a parent yourself or you're older and you're thinking, what would my legacy be? What would be said about you? Is it all about the external or is it about this beauty that comes through godly character? Do you reveal your strength through godly character? Are you influencing those around you with godly wisdom? And do you convey true beauty through godly faith? And... Uh men in the room. <clears throat> what do we need to do to see this legacy lived out in the women in our lives? Well, one thing you see in scripture is honor them. Yeah. Show honor. Honor them. Show gratitude for what they've done in, in the family, in the, in the household, and in providing, whether it's uh, whether it's it's in in the business world or or even at home, show honor, show respect. The greatest blessing that uh, you can be is is to uh, is to uplift and help support and honor her in all that she pursues and all that she does. So let's be. 
men that, that honor. I'm going to uh, finish now. Um, I'm going to finish with, uh, I want to do a benediction, actually. That's what I want to do. I just want to, uh, first of all, um, yeah, let's do something a little different. Women, can I get you to stand? If you can, no pressure. <laughs> I see we got a sleeping baby here. Oh, see, isn't Jillian just awesome? <laughs> Men, why don't we honor them today? Come on. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, take them out for a date or something, okay? Treat them. But let me say this to the women in the room here. Number 6, 24 to 26 says this. Uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mm-hmm.